podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Daily. It's your daily Ashes podcast, and we're recording live on YouTube. Paul Dennett's just had a sound issue, so I've specifically gone live just while he sorts out his sound issue. Uh, it was sounding fine for a second, and then he just dropped off. So uh, after um, my sound issue yesterday, it's uh, ironic. But, well, look, what, what a day. He, let's see. I think he's back. I'll add him in. Um, hi, Paul. Hello. Great. Well, oh. got you. Um, so we're live. Uh, I mean, I was just saying what a day. A stunning start to the Ashes. In, uh, England bowled out for 147. I mean, what's your first reaction? Well, um, they're going to come for Joe Root for that decision, aren't they? And um, yes, it's, you know, it's like it's one of the joys of not being the captain. And when you don't actually have to make the call, you can sit back in your Fleet Street um, office and your editor can say, yeah, you go hard because um, football is usually what dominates the back page. So let's go really hard and um, spare no spare no. Um, don't, don't be reasonable because just because you mightn't have done it, let's, let's give it to him. But to be fair to um, to those of us who are sitting here, I, I I thought it was a crazy decision to bat first. And um, I had a sizable bet on Australia as soon as England won the toss. So you, if anyone wants to check my betting records to see that I'm not saying this in hindsight, it's true. Madness from Joe Root. And um, it's turned out absolutely dreadfully for him. Yeah, it certainly has. Uh, just backpedalling a bit, what do you think about the decision to not play Stuart Broad? So England have gone in to this match, no Broad, no Anderson. I just uh, listened to the press conferences and Cummins and Ollie Pope were both asked by the English press, uh, especially why, if they were surprised that Broad or Anderson didn't play. So it, it's quite stunning that both of them have missed out. So they went for... Uh, Wokes, Wood, Robinson and Leach with Stokes as the all-rounder. Well, they just had to get Jack Leach into the side, didn't they? I mean, he's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, look, if 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 they are working on a calf injury for Anderson, then that's fine. Um, but if, if Anderson was fit and if Broad is fit, then they should have played them both that um, I would have played Anderson, Broad, Robinson and, and Wokes and no spinner going into this game. And the reason that it was such a strange decision was it was grey, it's overcast, the pitch is so green. The Gabba in recent years has often been quite good to bat on uh, on days four and five. And um, we'll come up with my stat of the day, I'm going to right off the top, uh, it's a number so, that... so can I just introduce this segment? And so um, for Cricket Daily listeners, uh, we're going to be doing after every day of the, the test, uh, Paul's going to have a stat or a, 
a numbers-based fact of the day, and I'm going to also do good day, bad day. So I'm going to pick one player that's had a good day and one player that's had a bad day. And, you know, this is just an excuse for me to do bad day. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't really want to do good day, but we'll just you put it in there to be day, nice. Bad day, bad day. <laughs> bad day, bad day. But um, so let's get into it. What's your stat of the day? Da, da, da. It is 129, and it is a stat that doesn't even come from this game or the Ashes. It's the sole Sheffield Shield game that's been played at the Gabba this season. A month ago, Western Australia won the toss, no mucking around. They inserted Queensland, bowled them out for 129, all 10 wickets taken by the Quicks. Western Australia went on to win the game convincingly. And I just find it amazing that, what is it, um, 19 years after it happened, England is still beholden to that mistake that, well, alleged mistake that Nasser Hussain made all those years ago. You've got to get beyond that. You know, um, Australia had their own problems with that in 2005 when Ricky Ponting sent England in at Edgbaston and they sort of said, never again. Ten years later at Edgbaston, Michael Clark batted first and we got bowled out. But, you know, it was just the right thing to do to win the toss and bowl. And Ian Chappell has been criticising Joe Root as being an unadventurous captain. And I think that there's some truth to that. I think that the, the English coaching setup needs to look at it as well. And it was disappointing that Pat Cummins said Australia would have batted first if they'd won the toss because that would have been a mistake too. And as I said, I'm not saying this in hindsight. Um, I, I I did put money on Australia as soon as England put the um, put put themselves into bat. Yeah, well, uh, backpedalling a bit. I, um, I, I'm surprised Broad's not playing on this pitch with a bit of grass and, and thinking that he bowls well to left-handers. I would have started the series with him without Anderson. I would have had one of them there to go up against Warner and Harris at the top order. But I actually don't think there's a lot between the – you know, picking Wokes. If, if it was between Wokes and Broad, I don't think there's a big difference um, if that's who it was – if that's what it came down to. As for the toss, I, I think you're right. It was um, – Terrible decision by Root. I was very surprised. Um, it, it looked like a perfect time to stick Australia's top order in and see how they did in sort of English conditions. Um, but and I'm I'm not sure Cummins would have batted. I think he's kind of foxing. I don't think I don't even know if he knows what he would have done. Um, yeah, it was, as they say, it's a great toss to lose. Jerry Waitley made a really good point the other day on the SEN preview, saying it's probably going to be a bowl first pitch, and yet both captains may well bat because uh, they'll feel the pressure. You don't really want to bowl first in your first time as captain and have it go wrong. And it's the strange thing that if you bowl first and it goes wrong, you get criticised much more than if you bat first and it goes wrong. I agree with you. Wokes um, still could play a great part in this match. And I think Robinson is a great selection as well. But I think who who, who do you think, um, uh, if it had gone differently, if Joe Root had won the toss and bowled and Marcus Harris and, and David Warner are walking out to bat, who would they rather have against them, Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson or Mark Wood and Jack Leach? Um, I think it's pretty obvious <laughs> who they'd say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for all of those people putting questions in the chat, thank you. We will get to them afterwards, um, as is our format for these daily shows. What we like to do is chat first and then get to all the comments. Otherwise, Paul and I are too stupid to multitask, so we have to kind of segment it off. Um, Plus, when I look across, or for those watching, my eyes when I look around, I look very shifty. Suddenly, I'm just staring out of the corner of my eyes at the comments. So, yeah, let's. Um... <laughs> uh, so, look, the moment of the day, and and this this happened for them, the very first ball of the Ashes. Mitchell Stark, new rock in hand, he he dismissed Rory Burns with an absolute jaffer, uh, clean bowled him. I mean, it was 
emotional. I mean, I've never seen Mitchell Stark that fired up when he got a wicket. He a lot of emotion came out. A stunning delivery. Uh, people, I mean, Shane Warne was trying to say it was a half volley and leg stump. It, it swung a foot and a half. So uh, it was poorly played, but what a moment! Yes, and I um, I watched it live on Channel Seven. And later, when I wanted to just watch the wickets, I watched it on KO, and I actually heard Shane Warne's commentary. He said it about six times. He's missed a leg stump half volley. He's missed a leg stump half volley. It's like, I don't think it swung a foot and a half, but it certainly did swing. And yes, he played it poorly, and I, I don't think it was a half volley. It was a Yorker, and if he hadn't overbalanced, he probably would have clamped down on it, and they would have said, oh, that was a good ball to start the Ashes. Uh, but sensational start. The, the noise around the ground... Credit to the Gabba. I, I, I said to you and Jalesi yesterday that I thought the crowd would be right, quite small, which shows what an idiot I am, because apparently it had already been reported as a sellout, so I wasn't keeping up with things. But that that, that um, huge crowd in for the fact that um, there's no interstate and overseas travel is much allowed, great atmosphere. People were saying it reminded them of when he got that Brendan McCullum wicket, uh, the first over of the 2015 World Cup final. It did have that uh, real roar to it. So what a tremendous start to the Ashes. Yeah, phenomenal. And uh, I was so pleased to see Stark do that. And, mm, um, me too. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, you know, you could just tell the relief um, getting an early wicket. Uh, and, and and actually, I read an article sort of going back to the first ball of Ashes series. And in Australia, there's quite a storied history, I think. Mm. Uh, was it 94, 95, Slater hit Slater. the first ball for four. Uh, then there's the um, infamous Harmison delivery, and now Stark adds to that folklore. So um, it, it is quite a story. Um, and there's also, not that I knew about it, but the the first, the only other time it's happened in the, the first yes. ball, is 36-37, um, McCormack to Worthington, bowled a bouncer. He hooked at it, went through to Oldfield. And I looked up the papers at the time. It's quite, um, it's uh, you, you sort of expect from that far ago to be very um, diffident, like, you know, boring, but it was... Um, uh, Neville Carter, who's the famous scribe, was saying, you know, he, he unleashed the first ball like a hurricane. And it was um, it, for, for printed word from almost uh, what 90 odd years ago, uh, it leapt off the page. And it's a nice little um, return to history, as, as cricket always does. Absolutely. So my bad day, I've got my bad day now, and that's Shane Warne. I thought his commentary <laughs> around this uh, was despicable. I mean, he, he wants to call out Stark's form. I'm going to say, if I'm a producer on Fox Cricket, I'm saying, Warne, you sound like a Muppet. Because, you, you, okay, fair enough, he, go, he has his Stark agenda. He's had it for a few years. I don't know why, but whatever it is, he's got his agenda. He's been sticking to it. Good on him. It's controversial. But then when Stark does that, you cannot say for over after over I was a straight ball he missed the straight ball and then a, a, a few overs later his own uh, coverage brings up the graphic that shows the ball swung a foot and a half um it, it's just despicable commentary I think it's disingenuous I think it's disgusting you got to eat your humble pie I know I say outrageous things all the time but sometimes you just got to swallow your pride and say that was a good seed I mean if you're an opening batsman uh, last thing you want first ball is a Yorker swing a foot and a half at about 150 kilometers an hour. So Warney knows that he's just too stubborn to say it. So that's my bad day, Warney. Congratulations. Oh, I agree with you. I think that's a, a well-made point. Warney at his best is a very, very good commentator, one of the very best. But when he gets on his own agenda and he just can't let these things go, he, it diminishes him. It diminishes him every time he finds a way to uh, criticize Steve War either explicitly or implicitly. And, and this was... 100% right. Like, just keeping on saying, oh, you missed a straight one. And it was not a leg stump half volley. 
Uh, maybe he should have got a bit of bat on it, but it was a very good ball. And it, it, you know, everything you said, I completely endorse. The other thing that Warney said that was a little bit strange um, later on in the day when um, he actually gave Mitchell Stark um, a bit of credit when he said when, when um, the sixth wicket fell and it was uh, Butler. And he said, yeah, Australia needed that, which they kind of did. But then he said, um, it's evenly poised at six for 122. Or I, thought, I, thought, I don't think it's really that evenly <laughs> poised at the moment, Warney. I mean, yeah, you do have to judge. We'll talk about that. But um, also, I don't know if you saw the, the, the audio on Twitter of every coverage calling that first wicket. So you had, you know, Jared Whiteley doing a great job in SEN. You had, um, you know, the Fox coverage. You had Tim Lane on Channel 7. You had Jim Maxwell on ABC calling it. And then you get to Triple M and you've got Jimmy Brayshaw, your mate, who decides on a radio coverage to not say anything. He goes, listen to the noise, and then just stops commentating before Stark runs in, and and then he just starts screaming when the wicket goes down. And that would be fine on television, but Jimmy Brayshaw, he he literally just didn't commentate the ball. I mean, what a muppet. He he, he almost could have been my bad day, but it's kind of comically bad. It's funny, I was quite smug that I'd seen it on two different coverages. You've seen it on five different coverages. Well done. That's, it, was, um, it was on that's um, Twitter. You've got to find it. But literally, Brayshaw just doesn't say anything and then just starts screaming. So uh, he needs to brush up on his radio commentary. It's funny how in the old days that the first ball of the series was always in hushed silence, a bit like a tennis tournament. Um, and you think, oh, well, there's no atmosphere. But they actually that gave it an atmosphere that everyone's talking. And then as the bowler turned for the first ball of the – and probably most balls – everyone would be completely silent. So then when there's something happening, it was a real explosion of noise. It's, uh, it's, it's really changed over the years. I, I caught a little bit of the SEN commentary, by the way, um, driving along. I, I was quite impressed by it. I haven't heard all that much of Adam Collins as an actual commentator. I thought he sounded really good. Um, and I, I'm a I, Collins fan. SCN, yeah. Um, I've always been a fan of his podcasting. I just haven't heard him commentate that much. But uh, he, he's got that, um, whatever that indefinable thing is that sort of sets the atmosphere up. And I, and I heard the wicket of... Um, or one of the wickets fall on that. And I thought he did a really good job. So Stark starts things off with his usual, um, you know, wicket in the first over, does the first. You've muted yourself, Manus. Now, this is what we want. Menas on mute. Now, he's grinning, for those of you just listening. Here he is back. Yeah, I can hear you yeah. now. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. All right, so... Um, I don't know where I was, but basically, you know, Stark takes the first wicket and then Josh Hazelwood, one-two punch, Milan out for six, caught Carey. He gets his first catch. And then Joe Root caught for a duck by Warner in the slips. Uh, How many adjectives can we say about Josh Hazelwood? But he's he's the most reliable. I mean, I'd like to say he's the most reliable fast bowler in the teams, but then you got Cummins. So just an incredible performance. Well, of all the wickets of the day, I think that Root might have actually copped the best ball. I really don't think that he did much wrong. And that shows what a great batter he is and what a great delivery it was. For me, obviously, the first ball was the moment of the day, but that was that was sensational. And, um, yeah, I, I'm a huge Hazelwood fan. And, yes, it was um, – I think that Milan probably could have dropped the hands earlier and let his one go. I don't think that Root did much wrong. Yeah, and then it was just um, a little bit of – I mean, we saw um, Ben Stokes go to Cummins for five, caught in the slips, good ball from Cummins. And then we saw a bit of a fight back from Pope and Butler, but um, Pope was green. Pope first. and Hamid, first of all. 
Yeah, Pope and easy. Hamid, and then um, Hamid was out to Cummins for 25. And then pretty well. Yeah, I thought he, he got through a tough period. Yeah. Um, and then Ollie Pope was Cameron Green's first test wicket for 35. And um, that was just incredible. And he's my, he's my good day, Cameron Green, getting his first test wicket after almost 50 overs. Um, Josh Hazelwood did him some favours, taking a brilliant catch, running in from fine legs. So uh, good to see Green get off the duck wickets-wise. And, um, yeah, so England all out for 147. Mitchell Stark, two for 35. Uh, as you mentioned before, got the wicket of Butler. Um, Josh Hazelwood, two for 42. Pat Cummins cleaned up the tail. A couple of top-order wickets, five for 38 on Daboo as skipper. Cam- uh, Nathan Lyon still on 399 test wickets. Cameron Green, three overs, one for six. England all out, 147. Um it really couldn't have gone better for Pat Cummins, could it? He loses a tough toss, then he takes five wickets, and he does it all with a smile on his face. What a ripping bloke. Absolutely. And then just when they thought, oh, we probably don't really want to play this last couple of hours, it would be nice to um, <laughs> start it fresh tomorrow. The rain comes down and um, finish things off. finishes things off absolutely perfectly. I was really happy for Cameron Green as well. That catch from Hazelwood, I'm um, – not to dwell too much in the past, but I was looking the other day at the famous Headingley, Headingley test of 81. Graham Dilly caught one on the boundary at fine leg, and the commentators were saying what a sensational catch it was. These days it would be classed as a sitter. I'd love to be able to go back. If I got a time machine, the first thing I'd do would be to take that catch back to 1981 and show them, well, this is what a fast bowler can do in 2021. And then he took another one that was almost as good as well. Green came into test cricket with a bowling average in the twenties. It's ballooned out into the thirties now, but if he could, I mean, he's bowling over 140 kilometers an hour. He's um, six foot eight or whatever he was last summer. He was handled badly. He was, he was brought on just to bowl short bursts of bounces, which is not his style. No. Gosh, if, if he could, um, his potential, he's got the potential to be Australia's Ian Botham and more. It's, it's very, um, it's very exciting what he could do. Yeah, Definitely. I um, also liked Hazelwood's catch off um, Pat Cummins. And mm. Cummins said at the press conference, Hazelwood said two things. He said, I had to catch that catch off Greeny because he hasn't got a wicket yet. So I really mowed it in. And he said, I had to catch the last one as well because it just would have been, it's the 10th wicket and I just wanted to get off the field. Um, typical cricketer. And uh, apparently Cameron Green said when he got into Pat Cummins, he apologised for celebrating too much after ta- taking his wicket, um, which is which is funny. I... Um, had Cam Green on the podcast in the off-season, and he's a very polite young man. So I can imagine him effusively apologising for over-celebrating. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for player behaviour, but I have no problems with players celebrating. As long as it's not done in the face of the opposition in a mocking way, geez, if you're happy, show you, show that you're happy. Um, but mm. I, I do like the notion that, that um, Cummins is going to make this Australian side a, a nicer side, that the whole... Um, you know, you've got to have the mongrel and all this nonsense. You know, you can play with all the aggression in the world, but just not be boorish. And if the Australian side goes in that direction, it'll be to the betterment of everyone. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to um, add to the day's play um, before we sort of muse on whether 147 is actually a tricky total? Because perhaps uh, Australia, with their frailties at the top order, you know, they go out tomorrow morning at... 9.30 a.m., there's a bit of cloud, it's green. Wokes and Robinson and Wood are on fire. Stokes to back him up. It's certainly possible. I, I think more realistic, though, for poor old England is 
I don't, I'm not thinking Australia is going to get 500, although you never know. Uh, kind of a lead of 130, 150 is more where I could sort of see it, and that would be very, very difficult for for England to overcome. And yeah, some of those dismissals that they probably, you know, if they had their time again, might have played a few different shots and maybe could have got to the rain delay at seven down and eked out of something closer to 200 on day two might have been a little bit better, but all comes down to the toss. It's not something that we're saying in hindsight. We said, although we both did yesterday predicting we would win this test match. So we should acknowledge that. <laughs> um, but that was kind of on the spur of the moment. A more When I looked at the weather this morning and the pitch this morning, I just thought, yeah, should have bowled first. And it um, hopefully for Root's sake, it doesn't haunt him for the whole series. Yeah, well, I'd say Australia's day for sure to start the series. Australia get the win um, on the first day. Then I think that, though, England, um, you know, you mentioned their shot making. You know, chippers in our preview said that they sort of got better down the order, and they did, you know. The best was Pope, Butler and Wokes with a bit of support from Mm. the So, look, there's something there to work with. All I will say is we bowled India out 30-odd at Adelaide last year in the first test of the summer, and they won the series. So uh, I, I don't think we should read too much into this first day's performance. It's a good point around Butler that that's what I was saying that he needs to play more like his one day game and it's a massive change because when in the in the winter just gone he was playing very slowly against India and there's just no future in that sort of play so that's a that's a real positive for England and, and Pope looked really good as well. All right, now let's um, bash through these comments. We'll go. I'll read one, then you read one. Um, Brewer seventy four. What a day that was for Australia. I only had radio, so couldn't see. Who moved the ball around the most today? Did Lyon look like getting a wicket? What do you think, Paul? It's one of those wickets where I don't think it was hooping around massively. Um, I just think a bit like when East Australia bowled India out for 30-odd in uh, last summer at the Adelaide Oval, that it, it just did enough. And so I suppose who did the most it was probably Stark. Um, got a few to swing a little bit. But in just generally, it was that... Um, that classic sort of Hazelwood style of bowling of, um, you know, moving the ball half a ball's width and, and that does the trick. Lyon didn't really look like getting a wicket, um, didn't necessarily bowl badly, but they were never really the conditions that it were, were going to suit him, I don't think. We'll see. We, we can judge him more from what he does in the second innings. Yeah, most certainly. He'll be desperate, though, to get off this 399 wickets. It's yeah. been hanging over his head for a while now. Jose Down Under said it was a good toss to lose for Cummins. Absolutely. It was the definition of a good toss to lose. Stephen Matlock, one of our favourites. Uh, Root must have chatted to NASA before the toss. That's <laughs> uh, a good, good call. And uh, Matlock, Stephen Matlock again says, I, I hear Warner was doing cartwheels when he heard Broad got benched. I'm sure he was. And so was Marcus Harris. And so was Travis Head and probably Carey as well. Jose Down Under's. Men, Menas and Paul, do you think Lyon is past his prime and Australia should start looking for alternatives, not just based on today? He didn't bowl well against India last summer. I don't think he's necessarily past his prime. I, I just think he, uh, fine bowler that he is, it's just such a difficult thing bowling off spin predominantly in Australian conditions and that he is slightly overrated and has always been, that he takes his wickets about 33, um, you know, as an off spinner, that's very, very good. I just sometimes think that maybe we should go in without a spinner as, as I would have probably done uh, in this match. Although he did average 29 in the last two series wins over England. We should be definitely looking for another spinner because you always should be. Plus we've got 
many t- tours of the subcontinent coming up over the next year or so? I think there's still plenty of good cricket uh, hmm. left in Nathan Lyon, but uh, I still don't think it's a – I think we should be looking at alternatives. AJS Cricket says, can't wait until the Poms start eating their own on their podcast, etc. Yes. Um... Well, the, the, the Poms are actually doing this whole thing where they're doing podcasts from the tour, I, you know, Stokes and Broad. And there's a couple of them. Like, there's a few different versions. There's one from the BBC with the actual English players doing a podcast. So it actually, it, if the tour goes well, the podcast could be absolutely brilliant as they sort of uh, make history winning again after 10 years. But if they get spanked four or five nil, you can imagine, you know, when they come to the fifth test and they say, okay, let's record another podcast to preview the match. They're just grumbling into their breakfast it's a world of difference you know 30 years ago they'd be sitting in the dressing room downing beers now they're sitting in the dressing room with headsets on and trying to make <laughs> eloquent points <laughs> yeah exactly asking their mates can you be quiet we're recording a podcast <laughs> over here um but- and Stephen matlock good point ajs looking forward to hearing boycott go off well yeah um is he still uh he probably write write a column in the telegraph um uh criticizing everything yeah he's a good Good place to go for a comment. Dale Moon, forget the end. Just remember the start to Headingley 2019. Australia made a similar score that England got bowled out for 62. Same could happen to Australia. I hope it does. That that, that then means that Cameron Green scores a winning, um, an amazing winning total. Um, We win by one wicket. I was waiting for Menace to react to that, but... um... Uh, instead, he was reading. So Stephen Matlock said, did you like how Warney downplayed the delivery? Yeah, we, we talked about that. And, um, uh, go back If you're listening on the podcast, go back and hear our men as go launch Warney, um, as he should have. I like this one. Royal Dong. Hello, Manners. <laughs> uh, Brewer 74. Lol. Manners on mute. New, brand, new band name. Yeah. Royal Dong. Plot twist. Australia were 124 all out tomorrow. Wokes takes six for 31. Stranger things have happened. Royal Jokes Dong. As, uh, yeah, you go. Jokes aside, the 36 all-out was an aberration. England get 150 all-out too often in Test cricket, as they, ha- they have done it almost 10 times already this year. Australia 5-0 could happen. And um, I think I read where England have now scored 48 ducks this calendar year, which is their second most ever or something. Another good record. And Tony Booth, both Boykes and Michael Vaughan write for the UK Telegraph. Thank you, Tony Booth. I'm sure we'll uh, be keeping an eye on Boykes running off the long run uh, to give it to his um, English compatriots. I could have played that with a stick of rhubarb. <laughs> that was a good Yorkshire accent. All right, well, Paul, anything you want to add before we wrap up the, the first Ashes Daily done after the Test match? Only just to say, once again, congratulations to the people of Brisbane for turning out in great numbers. I didn't hear the final crowd. It was about 30,000, I think. Atmosphere looked really good on a Wednesday in COVID times with no one able to travel on a wet, wind and wet, um, not the most auspicious start it could have been. Instead, hugely good atmosphere and a wonderful day of Test Cricket for Australia. Absolutely. Well, everybody, thanks for watching on YouTube, listening on podcast app. We'll be back every day doing it. Um, you can 
Um, we're going to try and do it sort of near when play finishes, but there's no guarantees because we both want to preserve our marriages as well as produce daily content. So it's a, it's a bit of a juggling act. But thanks, everybody, that's listening and um, watching, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.